On today's edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to replay an interview from four years ago that Carrie did with Bob Robbins, legendary radio DJ in Little Rock, Arkansas, from KAAY, Kissin' 96, and 105.1 The Wolf. Bob passed away last weekend, and we'd like to revisit this interview today. You ready? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show offers listeners firsthand insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and informative weekly blog where you'll read and may comment on life as a wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Chris. Like Chris said, I'm Carrie McCoy. Oh, thank you, Bob. That's my guest today. I usually do that for them, but he's doing it for me. I would dance, but I can't. (laughs) I bet you have to cut a rug a few times. My guest today is Mr. Bob Robbins. Yes, he he needs no introduction because he's a DJ legend in Little Rock, Arkansas. For 51 years, this man has come into our homes and automobiles as the friend on-air personality Bob Robbins. 23 of those years was on the country music station Kissin', and today he has followed his classic country music passion to the Wolf, home of country legends, which he fits in perfectly with. Mm-hmm. Bob's compassion for people is palpable and may be rooted by his own experiences. His early life was not an easy one. Orphaned at the age of 10, separated from his siblings and adopted by a family with an Air Force career, he moved a lot. At the age of 14, while living in Morocco, that's in North Africa, he landed his first radio gig and was hooked. Y'all, that's the age 14. Once out of school, he joined the Navy. It wasn't until 1967 when Bob heard about a job opening on KAAY in Little Rock, Arkansas, that he moved and began his illustrious career here in the state, the land of opportunity, Arkansas. While still DJing for Kissin' by day, Bob and his partners, Bill MacArthur and James Nelson, decided to take advantage of the new country craze sweeping America and opened a venue in southwest Little Rock on I-30 that could rival the Urban Cowboy Club in Dallas, Texas, or I think it was Houston, Texas. They called this new business BJ's star-studded honky-tonk. In 1982, this decision proved almost to be Bob Robbins' undoing. Competitor, another Bob, Mr. Bob Trout, owner of the country club where Bob Robbins had once worked, became incensed at the new competition in in town and hired a hitman to put an end to Bob Robbins and the BJ honky-tonk by hiring a hitman to either kill him or make it so he would never talk again wow bob survived and the rest of the story is what books are made of it is a pleasure to welcome to the table a man named broadcast personality of the year by the country music association the people behind the cmt awards the legendary dj mr bob robbins thank you gary can you believe thank that's you. all you well yeah, you know I'm honored. I really am. First of all, though, I want to I want to brag on you. You know, it was a, a gift to become a friend with you with uh, Arkansas Flag Banner Thank and you. the many things that you do and have Thank done and continue to do for this community. Yep, Thank you. You're welcome. I've Thank enjoyed you. it. We every I'll just tell everybody every Flag Day mm-hmm. we hand out flags together on the I Heart parking lot mm-hmm. to passer buyers and any other time we need them we holler carrie <laughs> <laughs> and bless her heart she's always there are you sure <laughs> i started right. to say you were the one and the only bob robbins but that no. is actually not true no. tell no. everybody about how you got that name well the way i actually got the name when we moved from georgia to uh, little rock to kay they wanted me to take a name of a person that had been killed in a accident and I said, mm, you know, I'm a little superstitious. <laughs> Didn't want to do that. And uh, everybody that I spoke with just spoke really high of this man and really liked him a lot. So with uh, Wayne Moss and uh, Pat Walsh, who was, Pat was the general manager and Wayne was the program director. And in those days, those guys really did, as they said, program director programmed and the manager managed. And 
anyway, we had a discussion about the name, my legal name. They didn't want me to use, and uh, so part of my legal name is Bob. And uh, we sat around and talked, and they threw this back and that back. And finally, Wayne said, well, your, your real name is Bob. And uh, we had a Robbins, and he's been gone for a while. Why don't we just name you Bob Robbins? Well, as it turned out, the fellow that was killed also, his air name was Robbins. So I said, that'll be okay. You know, at least I'm not called his full name. And so that's how Bob Robbins began. I don't think anybody would ever and, know uh, you as anything else. You answered that pretty darn good. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I very, very seldom really answered him my real name. It's Doesn't it. feel like you Bob anymore. Bob Robbins is my real name. 51 years it's been your real name. Yes. You were born in Florida. Right. Your father died when you were how old? Uh, Dad died when I, he died in uh, June. I was born in May. So I was just pinch over a month. And uh, he was a busy man in his life and had several children. And I was the baby of 13. Wow. So uh, He was older. Uh, not real though. Like I said, he just stayed busy. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, my mama, she, uh, of course, took over and kept us all together. And we moved to a little place in Alabama. And uh, she remarried and uh, I had a stepfather. And uh, we were we were farmers, uh, farmed uh, uh, sharecroppers on a piece of land that was owned by the druggist and uh, that's how we survived until I was 10 years old. And uh, when I turned 10, my mother died. And, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a tough time. And no matter how old I get, when I talk about that, it's still tough. But uh, I was 10, and uh, my mother passed away from a cerebral hemorrhage, and it was on Christmas Eve. And uh, so we went along there for just a little while after f the funeral and all that. And uh, I was, uh, some people came out and talked to me from, uh, I don't remember the agency, but anyway, they came out and talked to us. And my brother and I, his, his name was Ben, and uh, talked to us about maybe moving and becoming someone else's children, you know, in the form of a, uh, of an adoption. And, and uh, my brother was not much for that. And, uh, of course, I was 10, and I, heck, yeah, I'll, I'll listen. Well, it's, to be honest with you, very few people know this, my adopted dad is my oldest brother. So that's how that all came to be. And uh, we had to become, we had to be adopted because he was in the Air Force. And if he were to be transferred anywhere overseas, we wouldn't have been able to go unless uh, we were adopted. And so anyway, we went through all of that and Ben and I were adopted. And Ben ended up uh, joining the Army. And of course I stayed and went on to school and sure enough we were I transferred uh, to Shreveport, Louisiana, to Barksdale Air Force Base, and a couple other places. And uh, I guess by that time, I was up about 14. Can't really remember those years. But anyway, I got in a fight one day at school. And uh, the fight turned out to be with the base commander's son. And, uh, you know, we got, we got a little bit of the pushing solved and the promise to meet on the corner of his yard and finish it <laughs> and we did and i lucked up and won the fight and about a month and a half two months later we were on the airplane going to Nusur, morocco Nusur air force base africa <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, i'll never forget my dad looking over we were in the air and he leaned over and he said you reckon this trip has anything to do with that bloody nose you gave that boy <laughs> and i said i hope so <laughs> but anyway we had a wonderful time and that was that was a time in my life where things i could start seeing things and hearing things and talk to people and learn things that 
I never dreamt that I'd be able to do, you know, and and uh, it was the beginning of a very fun time in my life. How long did you live in Africa? Uh, we were there. My dad was stationed there for three years, which he had been there once before to uh, a base, Ben Greer Air Force Base. Uh, and uh, so I guess we were there three years or a little better. Was Ben with you? No, Ben was in the Army. Ben beca- Ben went into the Army and then uh, became a, a trooper. So is he a lot older than you? Uh, no, he was. Uh, Ben's about four and a half years older. He was killed in Southeast Asia in uh, 1968. So if you were 10 when your mother died and you uh, were adopted around 10, Ben mm-hmm. would have been 14? He was 14 when we were But adopted. he couldn't go. But so he. Well, he, at that time, no. At that time, he was with us. He did stay with you. Right. And mm-hmm. he, when he finished school, that's when he joined the Army. And that process of his life began then. Uh, and I get ahead of myself. I don't remember years too good, you know, but. You've uh, got a job. You got a job uh, on well, the radio at, in, while you were in Africa. And, yes. And I, there was a man named Sergeant Bill Miller. One of the neatest guys I've ever known in my life, and Bill had the voice of the Lord. He just had a beautiful male's voice, deep. And in those days on radio, a lot of people did, and Bill's favorite music was jazz. He loved jazz music. And uh, one day we were talking, I can't even remember, that we did a teenage show or something on the, and uh, he said, uh, Bob, you, you might could do that. So uh, we auditioned. He snickered, and I got the job. <laughs> of course, there was no pay in it, <laughs> you understand. And uh, then when we did start talking about part-time, Bill laughed, and he said, well, you're too country. Oh. Your, your voice is too country, but I'm going to use you. I said, okay. But Bill gave me the break in the radio that I thought would never come. How long did you do that? couple of years and then we transferred back to uh, to the states and then you joined the navy well i went on to school and then i joined the navy uh in albany georgia that's where they sent dad back to uh the air force base there in uh, in uh, albany and uh that's where when i got out of school i went on in the navy and when did you get out of the navy <laughs> how old were you When I got out, Uh I was bumping 19. What a life from Mm -hmm. 1 to 19, all of that happened. He lived a full life from 1 to 19. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Little Rock, Arkansas legendary DJ, Mr. Bob Robbins. We'll talk about his career in radio, the celebrities he's met, the urban cowboy disco era, and his near-death experience when a hitman was hired to put an end to Bob and his business called BJ Star-Studded Honky Talk. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed. Today, she has branched out into radio with this very production. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you'd like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org. Or send her a message on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. On today's edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to replay an interview from four years ago that Carrie did with Bob Robbins, legendary radio DJ in Little Rock, Arkansas from KAAY, Kissin' 96, and 105.1 The Wolf. Bob passed away last weekend, and we'd like to revisit this interview today. Um, before the break, we did talk about what breaks your heart, your your whole life as a child, and how much you grew from one to from age one to nineteen, and all the things that happened to you that turned you into the man you were. By the time you were nineteen, I would say you were a full blown man. Um, but you moved to Little Rock sometime. 
How did you learn about that disc jockey job, disc what? jockey opening in Little Rock and get here? When I got out of the Navy, I got a job uh, in Albany with a radio station, WLYB. David Flagel was the man that owned the station and one heck of a nice man. And that's where I've been blessed in my whole career is that I have been touched and been able to be with people in management that knew what they were doing and that were good, honest, decent people. And that, that helped me more than anything, to be honest with you. But anyway... David hired me, and uh, of course, you didn't make a lot of money in those days mm-hmm. in radio. Not that you do now. Yeah, I was about <laughs> right, to say. Chris? <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, anyway, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to stay there a while, and then a job opening in a, a, another little town, and uh, they called, and I auditioned, and I got the job. And at that time, I worked at several small stations trying to build. Uh, a reputation and, and uh, a little name. And I ended up finally on a station in uh, Americas, Georgia, and uh, stayed there for quite a while. And and uh, Conway, uh, not Conway, wait, yeah, no, it was Conway. Uh, Conway Smith bought the radio station from a guy named Charlie Smith that I loved very much, that was a manager. and. And uh, anyway, I worked there for uh, him for a while, and I got a call one morning from Wayne Moss. And Wayne was the program director at KAY here in Little Rock, and he had offered me a job a time or two, and I'd always turn it down and not be able to move at that time. And that particular morning, I said, yes, I'll take the job. How come? Being just, silly. Just in the mood, okay. But when he said, uh, Bob, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And you go back, you know, I was married to uh, a lady named Wanda. And uh, it was one of those deals where everybody has them, you know. And mm-hmm. you think, well, the grass is greener on the other side. And uh, I had a small son named Ben. And uh, he was the uh, first beat. The first what? The first beat of my heart, oh, mm-hmm. and uh, but I saw it in early life, part of that life that things were going to have to change. Anyway, I took the job in Little Rock, and they came, and we moved in to KAY, and I started having so much fun. Loved it, and I really did, and it was so many grades up from the things that I had been doing and of course we were doing remotes and going out on personal appearances and you know getting paid $40 to go do this when extra money you know mm-hmm. and just a lot of things that were happening that had never happened before and I saw some of the opportunities that were there if you wanted to work it was available and if you wanted to work and have fun and and all you could do good, and so we uh, started that way. And how long did you work there at KY? Uh-huh. Gosh, eight nine years, quite a while. Why'd you move to Kissing if you were having so much fun? Well, we were having fun, but the station was owned by a company out of uh, out of Georgia. Well, actually, they were owned by a company out of uh, Pennsylvania. And or it was somewhere. AM, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And a station, uh, they were bought by a company out of Georgia, and anyway, we ended up not agreeing with each other, and and uh, they said, "Well, Bob, that door is right there," and I said, well, "Okay, I understand. You see what's on my back end?" They said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, kiss it while I'm going out." So, <laughs> that, that is so that, Bob Robbins. That was not a that was not a happy ending. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it all worked out and everything. You didn't have now. a job when you left? K- oh, K- no, that, mor- that morning I, I got fired, I didn't. How long but, was it before you got another job at Kissing? Well, I didn't get it. Oh, at Kissing. Kissing uh-huh. wasn't even on the air then. Oh, so what'd you do? Uh, Sold mobile homes. I went fishing. Oh, you went fishing. Yeah, and we, uh, when I got home, I had, uh, I don't remember, two or three messages, and I called one of those messages, and... It was a friend of mine over at KARN, oh. and uh, uh, Mr. Snyder was out of town, and they hired me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I worked there, I don't remember, two or three years, and and enjoyed that a lot. And that's when Kissing moved in oh. uh, to town. And when I heard about the uh, possibilities of Kissing coming in 
to Little Rock, I really got excited Mm -hmm. because that was the kind of programming that I had always thought about and dreamed about. And here it is, almost a reality. And Kirby Confer is uh, one of the original owners of Kissin'. And uh, he made contact with me and... and, uh, Anyway, yeah. Uh, so we went it, from AM radio to FM radio around that same time. Right. Well, the FM radio, that's when the FM radio started making its move. And mm-hmm. people, you know, people would say, what do you think about that? That stereo going to work? Or, you it's kind of like, uh, like satellite radio now. It is. And satellites, satellites building, the only difference with satellites, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Of course, those days, you didn't, and then now, even now, you don't pay for the FM. And people program. worried satellite radio was going to take over FM radio, but right. there's it's, always a niche for FM. It, it seems like, you know, well, radio's just, it, all aspects of radio. It's, uh, I worry about where it's going and the things that we're doing, but radio will always be here. You worry about it because it's leaving, it, it's, it's losing its personality and moving towards corporate, or why do you worry about it? Well, you know, there's lots of changes that always happen, and changes are going to happen. And some of them I don't agree with, some I do, but that's just like politics or anything else. Well, you there know. used to be a lot of small radio stations, and then right. now they've all consolidated into right. three major ones. Is exactly. that about it? How or many? they're coming in, companies, and, you know, I think that's even taking a turn now and going another way. But things move fast now. The equipment changes move fast now, and... and uh, I love radio still, but in my situation, it won't be that long before I say, hey, let's go fishing every day, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've got riding. so many friends that are coming up in this business that I want them to be able to see how much fun radio really can be mm-hmm. and how much fun you can have and the talent and stuff that you can meet in this business. And... Uh, you know, I'm this, afraid they never will be this able This station to. that we're on, KABF, I think it harkens back to those times. I it's, do too. It's, 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 it's a, a wonderful a, public radio station here that people need to donate to. Well, it's to. a needed it's a needed facility in our town mm-hmm. or any town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they get programming here they don't get anywhere else. And that's, that's another thing. You know, when I was first starting in radio, it was what we call block programming, which meant, you know, you might play an hour worth of gospel music, and then you might go and play an hour and a half, two hours worth of country music. Then you might have a three-hour pop show in the afternoon. You broke broke your clock down and uh, did what we call block radio, and it was very successful. And uh, Well, you also did a outdoor Bob Robbins Outdoor. Didn't yeah. you do TV for a while? Yeah, we did. We were really did you like lucky. that? I loved it. You like doing TV? Yeah. Well, I, I I loved working with the people that I got to work with. Why you? Why did it? How? What happened to it? Well, I just, just ran uh, its course. Yeah, you know, and uh, that was a we had to pay for that, and I had, oh. to, you know, I mentioned to you, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I mentioned I had a wife named Wanda, and of course Wanda and I uh, are still dear friends and uh, visit with each other. But in the processes of these 42 years past, I I met the love of my life, and mm-hmm. and of course. She's been it ever since, you know, and that's Susan. And anyway, uh, Susan and I talked about this TV endeavor. And uh, she said, Bob, I don't care what you do, but don't come to the bank, meaning her, (laughs) saying you need money to pay for this show because we don't have it. (laughs) I said, okay. So uh, that was a, a strict Deal. You know, as long as the show paid for itself. So it was your idea. It was your idea to start this TV show. Oh yeah. And what 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 channel was it on? Um, Tom, yeah, on Channel Four. On Channel Four. So it was your idea to start this Bob Robbins Outdoor. Yeah, I went to Channel Four and we sat down, pitched and it, pitched it to him and talked to him and Tom Brandon and uh, Dave. A lot of people over there. They liked the idea and we put it together. How long did it run? Uh, quite a while. I can't really remember how many. But it wasn't profitable enough to keep doing? Yeah, we did real well with it. But then uh, when when the bottom fell out of everything. When? What year would that be? 2008 or before that? Yeah, that last. Uh, 2008, that the banking crisis? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. well the, money, you know, the money got tight mm-hmm. with everybody. And anyway, uh, I just felt like. And I, but in the meantime, Joe uh, Cates, a friend of mine that I worked with at 
at uh, the station. He uh, he became a salesman for me, and he and I carried the show. He did the selling, and I did the the work, you know, broadcasting, putting it together, and all. And and old Marcy over at Channel Four, I love that man. He was my. Uh, he loved lots of people. Well, this guy was he. Every week he made a show look good makes you look good yeah what, no wonder you love what he it. had to work with you know what i mean <laughs> and it just he still works at channel four i believe he's okay. been there for ever and ever and just a great human being well, but anyway that uh, anyway that was the time for me to say now's you know, the time well time was right to quit. let's think about it right well you are a hard-working so, man you're on the radio all morning and then you do tv commercial then you do a shoot a commercial i mean i shoot a tv spot on the weekends, I guess. I don't know when you find time to do all that. But this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Little Rock, Arkansas's legendary DJ, Mr. Bob Robbins. In this next segment, we'll get the inside scoop on the assault, trial, and conviction of the hitmen that almost killed him and how he graciously forgave one of them. And we'll talk about Bob's entre- entrepreneurial insight when he capitalized on the urban cowboy disco craze of the 80s and opened BJ's star-studded honky-tonk with partner Bill MacArthur, whose wife was tragically murdered around the same time Bob was attacked. The MacArthur cake was and still is the most meticulously documented homicide in the history of Little Rock Police Department. On today's edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to replay an interview from four years ago that Carrie did with Bob Robbins, legendary radio DJ in Little Rock, Arkansas from KAAY, Kissin' 96, and 105.1 The Wolf. Bob passed away last weekend, and we'd like to revisit this interview today. At flagandbanner.com, we share your anguish at the sights from Ukraine every night. Mothers and children in strollers fleeing their homeland and their brothers, husbands, and sons fighting to defend their unjustly attacked country. Displaying the Ukraine flag lets the world know your heart is with the Ukrainian people. Flagandbanner.com has lots of ways for you to display your allegiance to freedom, celebrate your patriotism, and show your colors. Log on and look through our website, flagandbanner.com. Arkansas's flagandbanner.com is more than just a flag store. Open six days a week. During the first segment of this show, we talked about your life growing up. You've had a hard life till you were, you grew up. You lived a whole life till you were 19. During the second part, we talked about uh, your career as a, uh, as a radio personality in Little Rock and another whole life you lived in those doing that. And now... We want to talk about your stint as an entrepreneur. You took advantage of the urban cowboy craze that was going on, the disco craze, and opened up BJ's star-studded honky-tonk on I-30 in southwest Little Rock, and it was a huge success. You opened it in 1981, mm-hmm. but it was in 19, with the partners, Bill, like I said, Bill MacArthur and James Nelson. Right. When you opened it, you left... The Country Cowboy. Country Club, right. Country Club mm-hmm. on Roosevelt. Right. And opened up your own place with your two partners, mm-hmm. and it made Bob Trout mad, and he hired, is that right? Yeah. And, yeah, he, yeah. Okay, and he hired a hitman. He got some feathers flying, I'll tell you. Wow. <laughs> yes, it did. And, you, uh, and he hired a hitman to take you out. Tell right. us how that happened. Well, you know, first of all, in, in, in my whole life, I... I have loved country music and top 40 music. And um, I, I realized when I was going into country that that's what I wanted more than anything that I'd ever done in my life. And like I told you earlier, I saw the possibilities of what could be done with country music. At that time, I didn't think of nightclubs, but it didn't take long. And I got to thinking of those things. You know, my eyes were like Mama used to tell me when you put too many taters on the plate. You know, your your stomach, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, <laughs> and uh, you'd have stuff left over. Well, I was that way. I didn't have the money to open these clubs and do the things that I wanted to do. So I went to doing some nightclub work. Uh, one of the sweetest friends I've ever had, uh, Don Thomas, who owned a place called One-Eyed Jacks. And uh, I started working for him and doing some disco and just having a blast, you know. And and being the kind of guy that Don was, he was like a brother, but he was also 
a person that would be there to help you, you know. What, what, what do we need to go out and play these dances? What do we need to, uh, to uh, make money? How much should we charge? What? And so we put all this together, and on a shoestring and a prayer, you know, we started getting stuff together. I say we. It was Don that got it together, and, and he would let me use that equipment. And, of course, we started doing these dances and having so much fun all around the state. So when the country... When I went into the country part with uh, with Kissing, and it wasn't long, I'm trying to remember, a year or so, if that long, Urban Cowboy broke loose. The movie. Right. And that was with Mickey Gilly. And in my life, that's what I always was. You know, I loved hats. I loved boots. I loved jeans. I loved Western clothes with, with uh, pearl snaps and pretty... Uh, drawings on them or whatever you know just western that was that was what i was and people used to say do you play country and western and i you know yeah i did play country and western two different things but it all goes together anyway when we got uh, bj's going it just happened uh bill and james approached me one night and we began talking about going into business with a nightclub that Arkansas had never seen the likes of before. And uh, we shared our views on things that we would like to have done or would like to see done and the decor, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember telling them, boys, all I care about, we got to have a big dance floor. We don't want it real fancy, but we want it clean. We want it nice, but uh, we don't need chiffon stuff on table for tablecloths. Strobe lights. If, uh, yeah, if we're lucky, uh, you know, we can get some, uh, what do they call uh, tablecloths. And anyway, that's how BJ's was born. And the ladies uh, of uh, the wives of all of us talked about it and we put the dream together and pied for it, and lucky enough, we got a permit, and away we went. Not, Boy, not, you really went away, too. Not, Man, it was a not huge success. Not knowing what to do, you know, but just going on the way that things that we loved. And, uh, like, you know, we had a horse uh, bucking painted on the wall. Well, I love the rodeos. I loved to go, and I loved watching bucking horses, and I loved watching bull riding. And I loved watching those things, and uh, not only I, but James and all of us did. So that was pretty easy for our club to, to pick up a theme, and that's how we began. And so we were doing uh, real well, and I'll never forget the first night we opened. Probably the most exciting time of my whole life because. So many people were there, and we had to turn them away. And it had always been my dream to have Hank Williams Jr. play for us, for me. Did he? Yes. And well, yeah, fifty thousand dollars worth. <laughs> he played. How many? BJ's was huge, and yeah. you had to turn people away. So how many oh, people will BJ's hold? Uh, don't hold me to this, but it seems like it would hold 3,500 or 3,900, something like that. 4,000 people. Or close to it. And uh, we had people turn and, and uh, the, uh, no, he did not play the opening night. Oh, okay. He played like, I don't remember, two, three weeks later uh, when we got in there good. But anyway, the fire marshal, I was going out the front door and I saw the fire marshal come in. And he made a pass through, and he came back with his back to the crowd, and he said, Bob, I'm going to step outside the door. Do not let another soul in this club. And every time two people come out, the next two that come will let one person in till we get the number down. You are in a very, very dangerous situation. And uh, he said, if you let another person that, in that's over the number that I'm telling you, we'll close the door. Mm -hmm. well, really, you don't want that. No. So uh, we did what we could and got it, got the crowd down. 
And that's the way that the, the club was for a long, long time. And the night we played Hank Jr., it was probably twice as bad. And uh, that's the way the, cl- the people came. And when we would book, and that was a dream that I'd always had too. Mm-hmm. We'll book names that people will recognize. We'll bring uh, names in that are up and coming, that are good artists. And uh, uh, hopefully it will. So will Bob Trout was jealous. Uh, yes, ma'am. So well, how did he How did he have someone come attack you? And how well, there were several ways. You'd been he, in business like a year, I think, when he decided to put an end to it. Well, he's not even that long. He started uh, uh, with, you know, wanting to sue us for copyright things and et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, that was all handled and taken care of. It was just a long process. And then one night uh, when I got off work and walked out the door, uh, I was uh, approached by a person, and uh, uh, that first night I got out, and they had uh, cut my tires, and I had a bad, I had a flat tire off of a bad tire, which I really thought was just happened, you know. And the second night is the night that uh, the boy approached with a bat, and I never thought nothing, and next thing I knew. Uh, I was on the sidewalk. That bat had uh, crushed you know, your face. Crushed my face, and uh, he, of course, broke and ran. And as it all shook out and turned out, there were like four people that played in it. Actually, five, and uh, but one person that actually did the swinging and with a bat and all the other stuff, but. Uh, Bob had hired those people, as it was proven in court. And, and he uh, said either kill him or make it so he can never speak again. Yeah, that's what they had said. That they but you forgave the young man, that, that mon- the man that swung the bat and hit you. Yes, you you I, forgave I him in court. I you did. asked for leniency. I did. And, uh, you know, the that whole situation, I don't really know how I want to try to explain it or how to explain it. You know, this fella, and I'm not going to call his name because I pray that he has done what I wanted him to do, and that is to become a, a citizen that could get by in life and, and do stuff the right way. And his brother uh, and his aunt might have been his mother, but they were so sweet and kind to me. And his brother is the reason that he was turned in. He took him and, and uh, took him to to the county jail and had him tell the story. And uh, I just, I, I had so much respect for them. Number one, you know, taking your brother and knowing you're gonna go to, to the penitentiary for what he's done. And his mother or his aunt, and they've knowing the same and still still stood on the right principle of life. Wow, that's great. You know, it is. It so, is right. That's great. You know, it became where I had a lot of love and respect for them. And it also went, I wanted to help. So how long did he do in penitentiary? How long? He was down there about two years. That's pretty good. What happened yeah. to Bob Trout? He went to the penitentiary. How long was he? He was, uh, I believe, sent down there for like 12 years, and I don't remember how much time that he served there. So who found you on the parking lot? Uh, The guard that worked at the station when after uh, they hit me, and I went back inside and— Oh, you went back inside? Yeah, yeah, I got up and uh, walked back in I thought you couldn't breathe. You had to be trached. Well, that was was later at the hospital. Yeah, that was true. But uh, I got back inside, and of course, uh, when he looked up, he said, oh, my God. Uh, and uh, he got ambulances and police. Got you to the and, hospital. Yeah. How long were you in the hospital? Uh, well, when I got to the hospital, they did all their tests and the stuff they had to do. And I'm not going to lie to you, that's some of the worst pain, probably. Really? Pain but, meds uh, couldn't even stop it? No, not at that time. And uh, he got his money's worth on that part. but. <laughs> They, uh, you know, the medical people, they took me to Baptist Hospital, and they were just tremendous. I can't tell you how kind and 
how good that hospital treated me and my family and how well they got, how quickly they got me back up. But you were in there for three weeks. Well, that was the first time. Oh. Uh, once, once they found out what all was wrong and, and all we had to wait for swelling to go down and then the surgery and then I stayed and then we had to come back and, you know, they pulled the, what they call the apparatus where they had, uh, put my face back together oh. and, uh, didn't make me look like Robert Redford, but anyway, they, they did <laughs> a, a tremendous me. job, cons- you know, what they had to work with. And anyway, uh, I just, it, it was, a, it, it was, a, took a lot of time and you got to understand when you, when you're in those situations, you're awfully bitter at first. Really? Awfully bitter. And as time wore on, I looked at it and in uh, different eyes you know I remember someone uh, that I loved a whole lot uh, patting my hand an old lady and she said just always ask yourself what would Jesus do well you think about it you know what he did forgave you betcha and you also know what he went through to forgive and you know what he went through to say, my God, my God, they know not what they do. So we went on and we went through the court system and, and uh, some of it worked fine, some of it don't. Uh, but all of the participants, they went to the penitentiary and got their time. And then when they started the parole system in their favor, they, I would go to the court and tell them what I thought. And, uh, and you asked for leniency. I did. And forgive them. I did. So that's how the recovery affected you. It, made, it deepened your faith. Well, you know, I have always been uh, been brought up with knowing that there is a is a supreme being that controls everything that we do in our lives, and I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I don't believe that people just come here and die and go away you know everybody has the right to believe but that did the way they want to but that is what got me through my life all my life a purpose-driven life you bet you for everything and okay. i just uh, you know my children came to me for a reason mm-hmm. i didn't have a one of them planned mm-hmm. but they all came and uh, susan she came into my life for a reason mm-hmm. and that reason has been to be the lady in wife that she's been all these years and put up with the foolishness that I mm-hmm. dish out and you know you have a lot of lives brother but, uh, so okay all this is happening to you and your partner at BJ's not long after you get beat up his wife has a car bomb placed yeah. in her car yep. that she escapes mm-hmm. it was just minor scratches and then she is murdered in her home in West Little Rock. She was. And everybody thinks these are linked together. Well, there's lots of so-called theories and opinions. And, you know, I'll be straight up with you. Opinions are like rear ends. Everybody's got one. Uh, I don't know how much all of the stuff is tied in. I do believe and have always believed that there are avenues to all of it uh there were a lot of people that were jealous as you were saying and just a lot of stupid crazy things that happened that shouldn't have ever happened and didn't need to happen alice MacArthur is one of the funniest sweetest and one of the most decent women that i ever knew in my whole life i love her and all of us loved her Mm-hmm. She was uh, the only way I know to tell you. You'd have had to have known her to have been able to appreciate. She was. Uh, a, there were flowers delivered. She answered the door at four o'clock one afternoon, and mm-hmm. there were flowers delivered to her. Someone was del- under the pretense that flowers were being right. delivered. It was a July Fourth weekend. Yes. Or coming up on a July Fourth weekend. Right, and. Um, and she answered the door, and she, we don't really know what happened. But when yes, your partner, do. you do? We what? know what happened. Well. Well, we know what we were told. You know, they offered her the flowers, and he 
pulled the pistol or had the pistol under the flowers and she took off running and went upstairs. What happened from there? We don't know. There's different stories. Of course, the court records are available to anybody that wants to read them. Uh, but Alice was brutally murdered. And they found and, her in the closet where she yeah, rent she it. tried to hide. And, mm-hmm. uh, we all have our thoughts of that. And uh, But, you know, Alice was the kind. She, she, she didn't run. But yeah. she ran that time mm-hmm. because she... Running for her life. Running for her life and her children's life. So uh, for people that don't know Little Rock, which, Chris, you probably don't know about this crime, but it was a huge, huge subject for, I don't know, a long, long time. And they finally convicted uh, Mary Orsini, who had mental health problems. Yeah. Did you know her? I knew Mary. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, Well, when I say I knew her, we weren't, uh, we weren't. You know, we didn't walk around holding hands, <laughs> but I knew her. It yeah. was high. Yeah. Uh, how are you today? That kind of stuff. Well, she died in prison. She was yeah. convicted, and she died in prison. And when she, uh, and before her death, she confessed to hiring the hitman that killed her husband. She right? confessed to killing her husband mm-hmm. in bed. Her mm-hmm. her late husband. She'd been married three times, right. but her last one she killed in bed, right. and she confessed to hiring the hitman that. Um, killed bill MacArthur's wife okay. alice mm-hmm. and because she thought there was some romantic i guess romantic yeah I, you know bill was an attorney and he was her attorney i i don't know anything about the, she got some romantic ideas mm-hmm. that if she could get alice out of the way he might be uh, yeah yeah I, delusional she was completely delusional mm-hmm. and uh, of course i you know like you say she came to her senses and confessed everything that she had done uh, they say and uh, you know after after all of that stuff and you know I, I looked and I I saw uh, three children that I have and I realized they were all little at the time and I'll never forget uh, my daughter and Robert my youngest son hating and saying they hated Bob Trout. Oh. That broke my heart. I never wanted to hear, I hate you coming out of a two-year-old's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, that you could hardly understand, but you could understand what that child was saying, you know. or And that's where I, I think in my mind, I started trying to turn my life to make my children realize there's things in life that you're not going to like, that you are going to hate, but you don't, you got to find a different way to, to say it, I guess. I don't know what I'm Yeah. You, you know, got, you, 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 you it, that the hate will only hurt you. That's right. It does. Hate it's never, insidious. Hate never does anything good for you or the people that you are. They say it's like uh, taking poison. It's like, uh, hate is like, uh taking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the other person. I think that's the way they say that. But it don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. That hate, you just, I don't know. I just don't have room for hate. Well, Bill MacArthur's gone. Is your other partner gone also, Nelson? No, no, I haven't spoken with James in quite a while, but last I heard, he was still kicking, and I'm sure I would have heard if he he had gone a different way. I want to tell everybody that you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Bob Robbins. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about, for people just tuning in, we talked about your life as a young man, full life as a young man. We talked about your full life as a radio career. We talked about your full life as an entrepreneur at BJ's and how all of this has turned you into this religious person who believes in forgiveness and has deepened your love for mankind because you understand that that's important how many lives do you think you have bob because you ride horses and motorcycles as many as god lets me have i'm gonna take advantage of it (laughs) i love talking to you bob always we always meet up i was telling everybody at the beginning of the show we always meet up on flag day out on the iheart uh parking lot to give out flags so are we close to being over yeah we are why well because i just wanted to say thank you you're welcome uh, for letting me come you know the subject that we're talking about is not one that we can cover in an hour. No. I know that I personally spent weeks in court on my particular issue, and and I know that Bill and and his family and friends they were in court for 
a long time. And it's not, it's not a story that you can uh, capture in a book. Uh, you know, it's gonna take a long time and I remember a lady named Jan Means. It's a very sweet lady in person, but she uh, wanted to talk to me and I had to tell her, I said, you know, Jan, it's like everybody has opinions and what happened in my situation, I'm not gonna talk to about it, but at that time was of course way back when she was wanting to write a book. And I said, there's so many things that will probably come out or surface that happened or didn't happen and you know i just don't want any of the people that i love with half truths yeah told on them or, opinions yeah yeah opinions did you and read her book no i never read it and uh, but like i say i, I think, think it's called world, murder in little rock or something yeah i think the uh, i think the uh, world of her uh so Man. you don't know if she got her, if you, it was just opinion. Know Nobody right knows what's right. That's yeah. the thing about it. Well, the things that, you know, that we, that were involved in it, that we know is right. I don't feel I have the right to walk around and, and talk about that, about Alice or about someone that was involved myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can talk about Bob Trout all day long. That's right. And <laughs> I will. You know, mm-hmm. the things that I know that he did and was responsible for. Mm-hmm. I have to say, Bob Trout, when I was an employee of his, nicest person in the world, never had a crossword with him or anything. But uh, that was then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got you a gift. Thank you for saying that. I got you a gift. Look, it's coasters with a cowboy and a flag oh, on coasters. Thank you. They said it looks like you, Bob, yeah. with a hat on. I tell you what, it, it's the things that I love. I'll it tell is. you that. The flag, yeah. country music, cowboy want, hat, cowboy clothes. I'm kind of like a president. I don't. I don't take a knee. <laughs> I, I never have. I never will. Thank you, Bob and Thank Chris, you. for joining me today and my listeners today. You've been so sweet to let me be here, Thank and I you. appreciate it. Yo, you're welcome. To our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. If you think this program's been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening, and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy a production of FlagAndBanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagAndBanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal to help you live the American dream.